Welcome to the Art of Strategic Reaction podcast. I'm Kyle Brost, a strategist and changemaker. I'm the CEO of Spark Policy Institute, founder and principal at Choice Strategy Group, and contributor to Forbes, Thrive Global, and Influencer. I lead at the intersection of strategy and impact, where I turn ordinary individuals into strategists and changemakers. Let's get started. Hey folks, this is Kyle Brost. Welcome to the Art of Strategic Reaction. Today we have on with us Gary Barnes, and uh, he has a pretty amazing journey. I've seen some of the stuff he's doing. Uh, I, I even saw uh, some pretty wild stuff that he's doing. So it'll be interesting to talk to him about uh, his eclectic journey. Uh, he is actually the author of nine books, so he has been cranking away at writing books even though he'll tell you that he does not like writing. He's kind of been pushed into doing that. He's also spoken at TEDx, and he has a couple of new episodes on PBS that'll be coming out. So he has a lot of fun stuff going on. I'm excited to talk to Gary today about leadership and some of the business coaching that he does. Gary, do you mind elaborating just a little bit uh, about kind of your journey and who you are? Well, I'd be happy to. And Kyle, first, let me just say thank you so much for you know the honor. Uh, and I really mean that, you know, when I do programs like this, it really is an honor to uh, be here with you. And it, really, my journey is kind of eclectic, as you said. Uh, I started out early in my career in psychology and theology, and the logical next step was real estate. And <laughs> so I spent nine years in the real estate market, built one of the very first financial planning firms in the country, and grew it to the top 3% over the next 33 years. I saw wow. practice uh, about 15, 16 years ago. And that's really when I've been speaking my entire career and really didn't get into writing until after I sold that practice. But I've been uh, working with entrepreneurs, small business owners, and sales professionals from around the world. And it's really interesting for me because everybody's story is different. Absolutely. Yeah, very different. So I, my undergrad's actually in psychology too. So that's interesting that we at least have that alignment. How on earth did you go from psychology uh, to real estate? You, you know, it, it was I was heading for the ministry. If you know that that formalized thought, and I got in trouble because I ask way too many questions. And mm. when you get into certain realms of study, they don't like questions; they really like answers. And when I address audiences, one of the things that I share is that when I was 20 years old, I was giving marital advice when I had been married for 30 days. I thought <laughs> I knew everything, right? You know, we did. But yeah. it, it really is more about the question that leads us to an answer that then leads us to a better question. And so when I went from, uh, and I put myself through college in real estate, and so that was that natural transition when I found myself really in a square as a square peg in a round hole interesting yeah you know i love the concept of of asking good questions it reminds me when i first started consulting uh my mentor one time i was talking to him and i asked him how do you know how do you know so much how do you have all of the right answers while you're in the room you know facilitating these working sessions with leaders uh, and he made a comment that really stuck with me. He said, you know, I don't ever feel like I have to have the right answer. I just feel like I have to have the right question. 
And so it was this moment where he really showed me that in order to get people to move forward and solve problems, a lot of times it starts with having the right question, not necessarily the right answer. And I really love that, you know, and it really comes down to not thinking, but rather actively listening. And the reason that we're not having to, you know, even for you and I being on this podcast today is that it's about listening to each other, not thinking about what we want to say, but actually having that conversation. Because I truly believe that whoever we're dealing with, whether it be a, a large audience or it be a one-on-one conversation, they're going to give us that question and they don't even realize they're doing it. Yeah, very true. Well, so you you end up in real estate and you do that, what'd you say, nine years? Nine years. Yeah, nine years. So what happens at that moment? What, what happened, what created the pivot nine years into real estate? You know, nine years in, there was a phenomenon that it was in Southern California and Orange County decided to move to Riverside County. And we saw a huge inflation in the price of homes. And people were really excited about that. And I saw it as a big bubble. I saw the problem before the problem, you know, was being seen by the general population and the industry. And so I started looking at really what was it that we could do to help that real estate investor, that home buyer, and in a more meaningful way. And back in the day, there was no such thing, like I said, as a financial planner or the financial planning industry. We all had stock brokerage licenses. We had commodities licenses, real estate insurance. It was, it was all separated. And I really did wanted to be able to serve people instead of selling people. And that's why I created the, like I said, one of the very first financial planning concepts in firms in the country. Hmm, that's really interesting. You know, what's really interesting to me, and I want to dive into this, so uh, I'm going to challenge you to think a little bit here. Uh, there are all of these situations in life that are unanticipated. So they're coming at us. We're not necessarily prepared or expecting them to come and we have to react to them. And then there are these moments where we have a chance. There's some sort of uh, indicator that it's coming. How did you, in that moment while you're in in real estate, how did you recognize those indicators when other people were missing them? You know, it was actually very visible because we were having a $1,000 per week inflation in home prices, where the home price, the the total retail on a home was $35,000. And so it was just huge growth in a very short period of time. And as I looked at it, it just became obvious to me that it was not sustainable. There was going to be a time of correction. And so it was really paying attention not to the immediate windfall or that euphoric you know, element that was in the marketplace at that moment, but rather what was the consequence. And I think that there's a, a process that I call your little genius. And in our subconscious, I have developed, my wife told me she's a psychotherapist. Uh, When I turned 30, I said, I felt like a five-year-old in a 30-year-old body. And she goes, tell me something I didn't already know. (laughs) And, you know, but in that, that little genius looks at the, the circumstance right in front of us without a concept of ramification or consequence. And so as we look at 
the really neat things or the really bad things, whatever those uh, interpretations are of those uh, stimulus, whatever that is where it's coming from, is what is the long-term effect? What is it that we can do to benefit ourselves as well as others? And it's not a myopic, it's really that global you know, timeline that we go, if we look down the line, what is the next logical consequence that is going to possibly come into play? Oh, I love that. I love it because one of the things I talk about with my team and with clients and, and a lot of people that I meet is this idea of asking yourself and recognizing implications. So to your point, what does this look like down the road? And I think you made a comment that was really poignant is while you were asking that question, what does this mean long-term and down the road, there were other people who were riding it high, right? They were celebrating that uh, home prices were going up and they were making more on the on their closed deals. And yet you were asking, what's the long-term implication? What's the long-term impact of this that I'm seeing? And that that question of asking yourself that and exploring what are the real implications if I do this or to what's happening in the market or my relationships, that question of identifying those implications long-term is so critical. When you get stuck on what's happening today, you miss those big opportunities and you can make some really poor decisions by getting stuck on just what you see today. So I love that you highlighted that long-term perspective and really asking and identifying what are the implications. And that's where people really get surprised when they get caught. You know, everything has a cycle. And we, we logically know that. There's, if you look at the seasons, you look at, you know, the time of life, uh, economies. Uh, one of the questions that I ask audiences often is, is this a bad economy or a good economy? And I'll get 50-50 in the room usually. And I go, well, isn't this just a unique economy? And so it's neither bad or good. It's just different. And if I treat the economy today like I did 20 years ago, I know that I'm going to have a different result because the circumstances are not going to be the same. And so it's our perspective around what happens to us, not in our reaction to it, that's going to give us that really definitive you know, result that we may or may not want. Yeah, definitely. Well, and, and one of the things that we talked about before we actually started the podcast was the, how people get stuck. So one of the things you, you mentioned is that a big focus of your work is helping people get unstuck. Talk to me a little bit about that point of getting stuck, what that looks like and how people reach a place where they are stuck. You know, Kyle, that's a great question because I think we all get stuck at times and we have that proverbial uh, deer in the headlights look because we're not sure of which way to go because being an entrepreneur, being a uh, sales professional, business owner, being out there in the general world, it's very there's very little that we can look at three, four, five, ten 10 years from now and say, this is what it's going to be. And I think there's some things that have led us to this as well, is that if you look back into history, which I have a tendency to be somewhat of a history buff, but we have gone from back in the agrarian society, when we went to the industrial age, that the industrialists were the ones that created the education system because they needed workers. And one of the things they did was take away concrete compound thought. We were taught not to think for ourselves and to go to everybody else or someone else to get that good information for us to be able to make that good decision. 
And so that as we've gone into the information age and what I now call the age of community, we're having to relearn to trust our intuition. What is it that we are really wanting? What is it that is going to drive me to my ultimate destination? And that goes back to another point of this. People get stuck because they don't know where they're going. Uh, I ask people, what is your ultimate vision? And they go, I don't know. <laughs> you know yeah. And that's scary. That is really scary. You know, it goes back to Alice in Wonderland when Alice asks, or the Cheshire Cat asks Alice where she's going, and she goes, I don't know. And she's wanting to know what road to go on. And he goes, well, it doesn't matter. Any road will take you there. Yeah. And we have to give up that empowerment. Empowerment is a big buzzword I know in the community now. But we have given that up because we ask everyone else to make a decision for us that it they have no end, you know, really consequence of the result. And because of that, we have a tendency to stay in one place. And one of the things that I have what's called Garyisms, and one of them is launch and adjust. And okay. the illustration I use around there is I love airplanes. Um, when is an airplane 100% on course? I'm going to put you on the spot. All right. What, say, say that again. When is an airplane 100% on course? I would say when it lands at its destination. Okay. You're close. It's on the ground. So anytime that it's on the ground, it can be pointed in the correct direction. And it's the only time that it will be 100% on course. And so, but it wasn't designed to be on the ground. It was designed to be in the air. The only way for it to fulfill its destiny is to go to where there's risk and there's unknowns and there's things that will push it in different directions. And particularly in flying, it's the direction of air, which is invisible most of the time. And so just like being in business or making decisions for ourselves in life is that it's a launch and adjust. It's not get ready, aim, aim, get ready. It's actually doing the firing, getting up in the air, taking the risk and seeing what the result is. And if it's not a result that you want, make an adjustment. I like that. You know, I, I heard a similar comment a while ago that really stuck with me about flying as well. And I think it's exactly what you're speaking to, which is a lot of times we think of a plane taking off, you know, uh, so I live in Denver, taking off from Denver and flying to say LA. And we like to think of it as this straight line that the plane just takes off and it's flying this straight line from Denver straight to LA. And the reality is that there's an ideal line that goes from Denver to LA, but the plane itself is constantly deviating away from that line and course correcting. So the entire journey for that plane, to your point, because of wind and other factors, the journey for that plane is constant deviation and course correction. And that's the same to your point. You know, you can't just sit and think about what things are going to be like. You have to launch and be ready to just constantly course correct because you're going to deviate off of that path. Absolutely. It's 99.9% .9 of the time that airplane will be off course. Yeah. And that's why autocorrect. And if you think about driving down the freeway, we're doing the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you suggest? So if I'm, if I'm an individual and I have some big goal in mind and I find myself stuck, I am stalled, I'm, I'm just not making headway, what do I do? You know, I think the first thing is to, again, get very clear. What is it that you go into that future 
And in fact, there was a, a process that I created a number of years ago called creating get statements. And what it is, is it goes beyond the goals and the dreams and the things that we have been taught. It really is going into that future and making it so real that you can see it, taste it, and feel it. Bring that concept back to your present day to where now you're being pulled towards that vision. And vision is where it becomes concrete. It's not in the goals. Goals and dreams are great. You know, the, the, a dream is a wish, a wish is a dream. And then you convert those elements into a goal, which is putting a date of accomplishment on that, that element. By the way, you know, and this is something that's interesting. Most of the people that I've talked to when I go through goal setting, they talk about, I set a, you know, uh, a deadline. And deadlines are, you know, I'm getting older. So anything with the word dead in it, I don't like either. Uh, <laughs> okay. But, but it, that word actually came from the uh, Civil War to where when the soldiers were capturing so many of the opposite, opposite army, they didn't have the resources or the time to build stockades. And they would take the butt of their rifle and draw a line in the sand and say, if you stay on that side, you live. If you cross that line, you're dead. And it became known as the deadline. Wow, and I so did not know that. I have rephrased it and reframed it as a date of accomplishment. And because that's really what we want anyway. But going to that third part where you really make it a vision, and then it's about programming our brains, our reticular cells in, in specific, for our subconscious to tell our conscious awareness what to see and what to pay attention to. Because the opportunities are there. And then it's connected with the launch and adjust. But when we give ourselves permission, and this is something else, is really permission to succeed. Uh, I, Kyle, I don't know if you've had this with your clients, but every so often I'll get somebody that will ask me, well, what happens if too much good things happen? I get too much business. I get too, I'm going, well, we'll adjust there too. Yeah, and absolutely. So we can be afraid of, and I think this is really more uh, of a true statement than not. We're more afraid of success than we are of failure. If we were afraid of failure, we would not even get in the game. But what happens when we succeed? Was it luck? Can I sustain it? Can I? So all these beliefs that are running around in our brains and in our subconscious, and we've been trained to uh, look at the negative, not the positive, we will actually put the brake on and think we're going forward and wondering why we're spending so much time, money, and energy and really not getting the result we want. Yeah, I, I, I think I share that sentiment, you know, and I think that uh, you have these those individuals that are afraid of success, you know, maybe not consciously aware of their fear of success, but they're afraid of success. And then you have these individuals who um, don't quite think about it enough and they find uh, some level of success and don't know what to do with it because to your point earlier, they didn't have a real vision. They were just kind of running without a real vision. One of the things that I really like about what you're talking about is this idea of adjusting. And I'm curious, I'm going to share an example, and I'm curious if you've kind of seen this with some of your clients. One of the things that I have seen with my clients when they get stuck is they back away from that being stuck. So they start with, they, they realize that they're stuck and they have some plan, some course of action that they're going to take. 
and they start that one and they find that it didn't work. But instead of choosing something more powerful to get them unstuck, they say, well, that didn't work. Maybe I should try something smaller. So they back away and they try a smaller effort or a smaller activity and they find that that doesn't work. So they back away again and they choose a smaller and what they're doing, they're stuck. But what they're doing is they're choosing smaller and smaller efforts and activities to get unstuck. Have you seen anything like that with your clients? Well, I have. And actually, I've seen that in larger corporations. When you have a downturn in the market, one of the very first things they do is cancel their marketing budgets. And they don't understand that that's the time that you're supposed to really go out and expose yourself even at a greater level. And I I live here in Denver as well. And I grew up in the desert, though. So both areas, in one area you have sand. Here we have snow. If we get stuck, we lose traction. Most people will do what either you're doing, you know, what you're saying, they'll just stop. They, They won't have, and now they're really done. Or they'll want to speed up and they start getting in that panic mode and throwing, you know, all that energy to the wheels and they start spinning. And so Mm. to me, it's really about backing off a little bit, but being very deliberate in that movement forward, choosing the things that, okay, here's the thing that is going to give me the biggest predictable result to where I know that I cannot control the result. I can only control my action. So where am I going to invest? And this is a different concept too. People spend money in their business. I hate that concept. I want to invest money in my business because then I'm expecting a return on that investment. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you mentioned uh, the idea of like spinning your wheels. And I, I use this example a lot to illustrate the point of being stuck and some of the things that cause it and how to get unstuck is, you know, I, I spent a lot of time on my family's small farm in, in northern Wyoming as a kid. And one of the things that happens often on a, a farm is that you get farm trucks stuck. And when I was young, probably, you know, too young that I I shouldn't have been driving, but I was anyway, because it was rural Wyoming. But anyway, one of the things when I'd get stuck as a kid, the first thing I do is I'd punch the gas, you know, I would hit the accelerator and I would just create an even bigger problem. So without even analyzing the situation, I'd get stuck in the mud. And my first reaction was, well, I just need to give it more gas. I need to punch it. And so I'd punch the gas. And now here I am spinning, digging my wheels deeper and deeper in. And the analogy, I I use that with clients because I say, you can't use the same thing that got you here. You know, driving and, and hitting the accelerator is what got me into this mud pit. And yet I think that by hitting the accelerator even more, it's going to get me out. And so there's that that aspect of trying the same thing that got you to where you're at that gets you even more stuck. And then the other thing that that I think is kind of crazy that I see people do, and when I use this story, people realize the absurdity of it, but they do it in their business and their life all the time, is I say, look, if I'm stuck, one of the first things I might do if I've got you know my cousin or somebody with me is I might hop out and try to push and, and try to push the truck out and see if we can get it out that way. And often what I'm going to find is that there's no way that I can push you know, this truck out of the mud. And so maybe I think, well, I, there's no way I can do that. That's too big, too, you know, that's too much for me to do. So I'm going to grab a shovel and I'll try digging. And I start digging and these you know, heavy shovel, shovelfuls of mud exhaust me pretty quick. And the next thing I think is, well, if I couldn't dig out with a shovel, maybe I can dig out with a spoon. I mean, that's easy. It's doable. I can do that. 
But how absurd is that? Why would I do that? That would take me forever. And yet I see people do that in their business all the time where they started out trying to push themselves out using a really powerful method. And yet before they know it, they're trying to dig themselves out with a spoon when what they really need to do is go back to the farm and get a tractor and get themselves out, right? They need to escalate that. They need to pick a really powerful way of getting them out versus finding themselves trying to dig out with a spoon. I, I so agree. You know, I really have synthesized down three elements of really getting unstuck or even finding success. And they're all three a little bit different. One is to be seen. And people in business, when they're stuck, they have a tendency, like what you're saying, they close in. They're not wanting to be seen. They're, they're somewhat hiding. But if they're not seen and they have the greatest product or service out there, nobody knows about it. And so it really is about that exposure. And when we're exposed, it can be very uncomfortable because what will people think of us? What will people say? You know, we want to be liked. And but that be seen is that critical first part. The second thing is to be safe. And when I say that, you know, when we get into that panic mode, we have a tendency to say, well, golly, I need to pay my mortgage. I need to pay my my children's tuition. I need to do whatever. I have all of these needs that are in my background. But if I come to you, Kyle, with those needs at the forefront, energetically, you're going to feel that and you're going to push away even if you want to connect with me. And so to be safe in my world is to have no agenda. For me, with you today, I have literally no agenda but to contribute. And so when we do this, we can come on a level playing field and to be able to be you know, genuine without a hook. And the third thing was to be relevant. And the interesting thing there is we can have the greatest product and service that is needed in the marketplace. But if the marketplace hasn't caught up to wanting it, to where their pain point has not increased to the level of them saying, I am now willing to do something to change, to invest, to implement, then we're ahead or behind the curve. And that's also where we can look back and say, okay, what do we need to adjust to be able to showcase ourselves to that person that sees us as that perfect solution? Hmm. I love that. I love those three points, to be seen, be safe, and to be relevant. Uh, it's a little bit funny, but when you were talking about the BC one, I thought about being stuck in the mud, and I thought, you know, half the time the reason we didn't go get the tractors because we didn't we didn't want anybody else to know that we'd gotten the truck stuck, so we didn't want to be seen, you know. Uh, so it was kind of a funny element of that. But I love those three points of be seen, be safe, be relevant, uh, and I think that's very applicable. I'm curious, uh, you know, if if you as you're sitting here and you think about our conversation, if you were to give the two most practical pieces of advice or tips to people who feel like they're stuck, what would those two practical tips be that you would give people? You know, again, that's a great question. I, I believe it's in the foundation. And what I mean by that is to know where you're going, like we have talked about already. And part of that is not to be afraid to put a money goal, a money vision out there. Um, I remember as I was growing up and when I was going into the ministry, I had a really interesting childhood, but my mother particularly told me, well, why was I going into the ministry? You had to have a call from God. And when I left the ministry, she said, you're turning your back on God. And when I said I was going to become a millionaire, 
She goes, well, that's what other people do. And you have to somehow be dishonest to do that. And so there's some of these things mm. in our backgrounds that we can shy away from. We want to have enough money, but what is it for your reward? What is the result that you want for you, your family, for members of the community? What is it that makes the trip worthwhile? And then the second thing is to take action sooner, is quit waiting to be perfect. You're never going to have all of the information. I call it actually information constipation because most people have way too much information and they don't know what part of that information is going to be usable and useful to them and to the community, to their clients, their customers. And so in order to know that, they actually have to do the engagement. They have to release that information. And in doing so, we're going to, you know, it's interesting because I, I have a, a little bit of a farming background too, but mostly in haying. And I never wanted to, you know, confess that I broke something or got something stuck. And so uh -huh. our little geniuses protect ourselves because we don't want to be seen somehow as being wrong or bad. We don't want to get caught. But really, it's in that process of being human, of being as a speaker. You know, I, I never have to worry about this, but they've always said if you haven't made a mistake grammatic, grammatically, as I just did, uh, or just flub up in some way, do it on purpose because people want to see the human side of you. And I really think that people really do want that. People over the years have asked me, what's the right road? Again, because they don't want to be wrong. And I look at them and I go, there's only one road. We're just at different mile markers. And so what we want to look for is someone that has gone before us that we're going to do our own strategy. We're going to, you know, create our own path in some ways, but we don't have to create the total path. We can look for those signs, those keys, those uh, telltale uh, elements that's going to allow us to actually achieve more faster. And by doing it and engaging is the secret, I believe. I like it. I love those those points. Um, and to kind of give a, a quick synopsis, I, I what I feel like I heard were, first off, ask yourself the question, really explore what's going to make this journey meaningful to me. Uh, what is it that that is that this journey is producing that really uh, that really energizes and excites me? And spend time getting clear about that piece. And then the second one that I felt like I heard was to get started. You know, you can have all the information in the world and none of it's going to matter unless you get started. As the old adage goes, you can't steer, steer a car until it's in motion. And the same thing for you. You know, you've got to get started. So get really clear about what those meaningful pieces are, what comes out of this journey that you really care about and that brings you satisfaction and energizes you. Ask yourself that question and then get started no matter how small or simple it is. And that's what allows you to course correct and adjust along the way. Absolutely. So tell me, Gary, what are you working on right now that, that you think is exciting and you want to share with people? You know, one of the things that in my, where I am in my career, it's about touching more people. And one of the things that I have been doing, uh, I produce a three-day business building boot camp twice a year. And what I find is it's so energizing for me to see that the entrepreneurial spirit is actually being revived, particularly in North America. It has been around in other parts of the world. It really never went away, but we have had this resurgence of the 
entrepreneurs there that is so, I, I think it's really what's going to really catapult us into that next level of success for our, our country uh, here in the U.S. But the, the thing that I really enjoy is, you know, really seeing the, the possibilities and people engaging in their, uh, their potential because it's there. People ask me how it is that I'm able to help them do something. And I go, well, I really didn't do it. All I did is turn on the light. And so working with the three-day boot camps gives me that opportunity to really be able to share with multiple people. And then, like you said, the, being able to do programs like this, as well as the, the PBS shows. I got two more coming up. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of engaging with people because people have tremendous stories. It's giving them permission, which I don't believe they really need, but they at some point at, in their life have told themselves or been told that in order to be okay, they need that permission. And when they have it, magic happens. It really is phenomenal to see all of the, the neat things that come about because of it. That is awesome. I love your passion. I love your enthusiasm. Love your focus. If people are interested in, in the boot camp or learning more about you, where can they go to find out more uh, for information? For the boot camp, it's breakthroughbusinessmastery.com. And all of, that's the landing page with all the information there. And uh, the directly to me is gary at garybarnesinternational.com or garybarnesinternational.com is the website. And one of the things that I promise everyone is that if they reach out and they have a question or they, I answer everything personally. So uh, I really enjoy that connection. That's fantastic. And I think that's so meaningful, especially for, um, for, you know, an engaged following people want to be able to connect with you and, and be able to connect directly with you and get insights and, and feel like they know you personally. And so I think that that's awesome and meaningful. Gary, uh, thanks so much for joining the art of strategic reaction today. Thanks for your insights about getting unstuck, uh, making progress, getting clarity on vision. We really appreciate your time and insights and, uh, folks, we will catch you on the next episode of the Art of Strategic Reaction.